Welcome, welcome everybody back to Rock Talk the Podcast. Hopefully you all wrapped up your Halloween in a socially distant, safe fashion. We have a new show today with CEO Tom Scorey back to answer questions from you. Welcome, Tom. Good to have you back. Thank you. Good to be back. So we put out the call in Rock Talk and the company app for team members to ask Tom any questions on their mind related to the company and the construction industry. Granite Rock people, of course, responded with some great, thoughtful questions. So thanks to everyone who took the time to get their questions in. And just as a reminder, this is a really good way to hear from Tom directly during a time in which we're limited in hosting large company gatherings and most of our meetings are not face-to-face. We're doing those on Teams or Zoom. All right, getting right into the questions, the pandemic still seems to be on top of mind and a lot of anxiety is out there. So the first question, COVID-19 continues to be a hot topic and we're seeing surges in other parts of the country, Utah, Texas, and Wisconsin to be specific recently. What is Granite Rock's outlook in the event an effective vaccine comes on the market? Would we just go back to business as usual? Would we require team members to get the vaccine? Like what would our outlook be if an effective vaccine comes on? Yeah, Um, it's hard to know because it's hard to know what an effective vaccine will look like or what it will be. I think we all have this fantasy that this vaccine is going to come in the market and we're all going to get it and COVID will go away and we can, you know, walk out from the doctor, rip our masks off and go to the bar and socialize again. And I don't know, I'm not an expert on this, but I, I try to read a lot about it. And from what I read, the vaccine isn't going to be flipping a light switch, cure all, today we're sick, tomorrow we're well kind of thing at all. As I understand it, they're hoping for vaccines that are kind of more than 50% effective. That's the success rate. But it's very doubtful that they'll find one that's 100% effective. So if that's the case, if you get one that's somewhere between 50 and 100, you could still get sick if you got the vaccine. So I suspect what will happen is that it will take months and months and months to administer it once it's approved. And then once you do, um, we'll still be asked to social distance and to wear masks for the long-term future, I think. Now, I imagine at some point, herd immunity builds up to the point where the virus is no longer prevalent in the community and we can start to go back to business as usual. But I don't believe, I wish this weren't the case, but I don't believe that it's going to be a situation where we'll all get the vaccine and everything will be back to normal. So in terms of Granite Rock's outlook, I think we're, you know, cautiously optimistic about it and that when it comes, we'll go back to normal as soon as it's prudent. But I don't think that that's going to be something that's going to happen right away. And of course, we're going to have those people who say, well, I don't feel comfortable taking a vaccine no matter what they say or how effective they claim it is. Yeah. From what I read today, if you ask people about half say I wouldn't take it. And that doesn't bode well for herd immunity. Yet you asked earlier if Granite Rock would require people to take it. Um, no, we can't can't do that. Wouldn't do that. People have their own reasons for not doing it. But we sure encourage people to take it because I think with this vaccine, the way this is going to work is that if enough people don't take it, we'll not ever develop that herd immunity where we can kind of get over this COVID thing. So we'll be encouraging. We'll promote. I just can't see that we could or really would want to require people to do it. And legally, we probably couldn't yeah, do I, that. I don't think so. I'm going to take it, though, when it comes out. As soon as I believe it's safe, I'm going to take it when it comes out because, you know, I, I think it's much better than not having it. 
Yeah, definitely. Anything we can do to just be a little bit safer because it is deadly. Yep. As much as people talk about being able to survive it and that most people survive it, it's still extremely lethal. It, it is. And the, the thing that um, we don't talk about very much is we, we tend to think it's kind of this binary thing. Either you get well or you don't. And the number of people who don't is very few. It's only one to two percent. What gets missed a lot is the people who don't die from it, but remain impaired. And you hear of all these conditions that people have um, reduced lung capacity, fatigue, all sorts of long term health conditions. So, you know, it's the good news is it didn't kill you. The bad news is you're going to be sick for a very long time. Yeah. And I think it's just so different for for different people. And you just don't know how it could get you. I mean, you hear these stories about perfectly healthy people getting it and either dying or becoming extremely sick. And that that's what's alarming. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's already November, which this year is flying by. How has the company fared overall financially through the pandemic? Did you see any significant losses in business? Well, we've done shockingly well, um, shockingly well. When it first hit and the shelter in place orders started to come out, it wasn't clear how much of our business could be open and how much of our customers' businesses could be open. So we had some some shorter term impact. So unfortunately, we had to furlough some people out. The Wilson Coria's business levels dropped there. We had to close our South San Francisco branch temporarily. It's now reopened. So we had those kind of hurtful but short-term disruptions to our business. But once it became clear that construction was an essential activity and that our customers could go back to work, we really were able to open up and have had a very strong year. Um, We're very likely to exceed our profit plan this year, which is really fantastic for all of us uh, because it allows us to buy more equipment going into next year allows us to pay bonuses and, you know, increase salaries and do all the things we like to to do to take care of people. So we've been one of the lucky ones. You know, if you in the cruise ship business or the bartending business or the hotel business or so many others, retail, uh, you know, general retail. Airlines. Airlines. Yeah. It's it's um, it's just really, you know, it's a whole different story. But our business in 2020 has done really surprisingly well. Don't know what's going to happen in 21 and 22. That's kind of the big uh, mystery. We're starting to see in our market, in the construction market, a lot more aggressive bids, more people trying to build backlog and pick up work. At the same time, we do have a really good, strong backlog. Um, Our construction backlog is really record and our materials branches have a good, strong backlog. So I'm cautiously optimistic about 21 but the jury's still out on that one. And in 2022, is sort of anyone's guess. So we could be kind of roaring back um, and we could be kind of flat to headed down and nobody seems to know. This is um, part of the same question. Someone asked, how does this compare with the Great Recession? Is what we're going through the same or was that worse? Has the COVID impact been worse? Um, well, for Granite Rock, the Great Recession was much, 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 much worse. I mean, it was really bad because that really impacted construction and public work spending, in particular, private work spending, too. It hit all markets, the housing market, the highway market, the commercial market, um, non-residential construction. 
everything got hit. So this is much, much better than that for our industry and for the company in particular. That was also very long lived, right? That was, you know, for us, we didn't start to recover until 2012, even though the recession was technically over earlier. The company didn't start to really have decent years until 2012 and 13. For the country, I think this has definitely been much deeper and much quicker to fall off. But some parts of the economy are really doing well. There's been some new reports out about GDP growth and some other things that suggest that this just is nowhere near as bad as the Great Recession. Um, but I think it really depends on how we come back, because, you know, if if there's a vaccine, if consumers start responding for their own health reasons to, to go back to, to, you know, a cruise ship or an airline or a restaurant, et cetera, et cetera, then I think, you know, we'll come back OK and we'll have a, a more typical recession recovery. If COVID stays with us and people don't change their behaviors, I do worry about, you know, a J-shaped or L-shaped or whatever letter, you know, that signifies a more prolonged recovery. I still don't think we're going to be as bad as we were in um, 2008 through 12, though. Yeah, that's good news. Good to hear. And it's been tough. It, like you said, it depends on the industry that you're in. Staying on the pandemic theme, what does COVID and social distancing mean for company rituals such as a leadership conference, also known as a manager's meeting upcoming in February? We typically hold that in a giant ballroom in San Jose with over 200, 250 people in the room, uh, working together trainings where we get a big group of people at the corporate office for an entire weekend. And then of course, maintaining our overall high touch culture where we like to share a meal and be in the same room and give each other high fives and shake hands. Yeah, that, that's one thing I worry a lot, a whole bunch. And whoever asked that question, the word ritual is, is a great uh, way to put that because Ritual is such an important part of culture and all those things that we do uh, where we get together and gather and talk and um, socialize, they're so critical to maintain our culture. When we hold our managers meeting now called a leadership conference every year, the thing that people like the best is that time during breaks when they can catch up with their friends and see what else is going on around other parts of the company and just enjoy socializing with each other. Just a critical part of who we are. And COVID has hit right in the heart of our ability to do those things. So well, I do worry about that um, very much. We're trying to make do with virtual meetings and, and we're going to do our leadership conferences here virtually. We're doing executive committee meetings virtually. We're trying to find ways to recognize people with recognition events that aren't, you know, a typical recognition day where you gather and talk and have a lunch. I've been to several this year where you just kind of people line up and grab a box lunch and you know, we wave from six feet apart and say thank you and they go on their own way. So those are substitutes for all that, but they're not great substitutes for any of it. We haven't been able to hold a working together class since just before the pandemic hit. So we're, we're searching for solutions between now and the time when we can get back to those real important rituals for our culture. I think everybody listening to this has participated in some of those, but that's a challenge. And and you, I know you talked to the pandemic optimization team, and that's one of the things they're working on. But I got to say, you know, they're just not a substitute for person to person, real live, look people in the eye, you know, shake their hand kind of gatherings. And, you know, my thought is that we will get back to that. Um, yeah. and, and that'll be great for us. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the culture comes through on a lot of our team's meetings, but still it's not the same as being in person. Yeah. 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 Shifting a little bit away from COVID, 
how does Tykert keep winning jobs in our region, particularly Highway 17? Well, um, I don't know. Um, so, so here, here's the, and we can say that about any contractor at any given time, right? Um, so, what we see from the outside is they want a job, and we look at that and say that's really disappointing because um, the the bid numbers are public. So, the short answer to that is they're winning jobs because they're cheap. Right. What we don't see is whether that job made money for them in the long run, because we don't have insight into that. And and, you know, we hear through the rumor mill that this job was a disaster for this guy or this job was turned out to be great for that guy. But we really don't know. And um, what we've seen and Rodney and I, uh, Rodney, Jenny and I were talking about this last week, you see contractors typically kind of go on these runs where for their own reasons, they are too cheap. I don't know the Tykert has been too cheap, but they've been darn cheap. And um, then they have some bad experiences because, you know, we know how to bid work. We're just hearing about a job the other day. It wasn't Tykert who was a little bidder, but somebody bid it below our cost, right? Well, you can't stay in business doing work below our cost. Tykert doesn't hire people cheaper than we do. They don't pay less for materials. They don't pay less for equipment. They're good contractors, but they're no smarter than we are on how to build a project efficiently. So when they bid work cheap, then chances are they're not going to make a lot of money on it. And you watch contractors kind of go through that cycle. I don't know why they do it. We've done it before. I remember uh, in the heart of the Great Recession, there's a job right outside the window of this office we're sitting in, the, the Highway 1 job, where we convinced ourselves that the most important thing that could ever happen in the heart of this recession is that we won that Highway 1 job. And, you know, we sent that message out and we won it and we were too cheap <laughs> and we didn't make a darn thing on it and we wish we didn't have it. So other people do that, too. So maybe it's because they feel an urgent need to build a backlog. Sometimes contractors think that, you know, they really want to push volume. So let's get all the jobs we can get. Sometimes they, ha you know, make a mistake. Right. Sometimes they got estimators who really kind of need to learn something. So I don't know. It's disappointing when they're cheap because we didn't get the work. But the key to sustainability isn't to be cheap. The key to sustainability is to be able to bid jobs, think of a smarter way to do it, work your advantages and still be able to make good money on the jobs. I suspect that if they continue to be cheap for a while, that will change and um, we'll uh, we'll win our share of work. Move them back to Sacramento a little bit more. <laughs> all right. Uh, new topic. In light of the fact we all fund community institutions and schools as taxpayers and the fact that our Granite Rock operations continue to need more capital investment, why does Granite Rock invest so much in community support and why are team members always asked to contribute to the United Way? Well, timely question, because it's United Way campaign time. The, the answer to the first part, why do we do it, is because it's the right thing to do. You know, we're really a part of this community. We've been a part of the community for 120 years. We're a local contractor. What happens in this community with our neighbors and our friends really matters to us. So we really look at it as an obligation to do that, obligation to help. And we've done that, I don't know, for as long as Granite Rock's been around, as far as I can tell. I love the story that was shared in Rock Talk about, you know, Granite Rock giving the first thousand dollars to start United Way, because even back in the 1940s, you know, we knew that that's what good, responsible companies do. 
And we encourage our team members to participate in that. And the reason we use United Way is because it's the only way that I can see the company can leverage through the payroll deduction process, the contributions that team members want to make. And what we do is we ask our team members to make a donation. You don't have to. We encourage you to do it. We hope you do it. And then we can match that dollar for dollar. I can't think of any other way besides United Way that we could do that. If there, if otherwise somebody could say, well, I gave a, you know, a dollar to my favorite charity, won't you please match it? And then we have to look into, well, is that really a charity or is that your brother-in-law's business or what is that? And they're just too cumbersome. But with United Way, we know the things they do are legitimate. Um, if you want to contribute to United Way, you can give to their general fund. If you got a pet charity, you can write that down and the company matches it dollar for dollar. So it has a big impact in the community, I mean, to the tune of a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. And that makes a big difference in the communities where we operate. And if you go to United Way campaign presentations and some of the donor groups or recipient groups rather get up and talk about the impact our dollars make, it really gets you. I mean, you're making a difference in the lives of kids and families and and giving kids school supplies who wouldn't have them and, and giving kids Christmas who wouldn't have it. And that makes a big difference. And, and it's it's great. You know, we're fortunate to be a good business, a strong business. We can afford to do it. Our people are fortunate because, you know, we have good paying jobs. And I think most people can afford to give a little bit. That's why we do that. And we are blessed to be part of this company. And it's an honor to be able to give back a little bit. But also just as a reminder, nobody is being forced to do this. I mean, this is completely voluntary. So that's just something to remember. It's like, this is up to you, but of course we encourage it. If you don't want to do it, that's okay. That's up to you. But when people are working and they have money and they're able to take care of their families and they're taking care of their own needs, if they can put $5 towards United Way and help somebody else, what a great thing. And then that five turns into 10. And and there's some kids out there that $10 makes a big difference. So that's why we encourage people to do it. It does make a difference. Well, thanks for that explanation. And hopefully that answers this person's question in a, a heartfelt way. We have five fun in the hot seat questions for you if you're ready to do that. Uh, no wrong answer, of course. The first one, what is the last movie you watched? Um, last night, we watched a movie called Best of Enemies. Great movie. Excellent. Nice. Just stumbled across it and it was really good. Okay, got it. A favorite vacation spot? Hmm, that's a hard one. Um, the place we normally go is is Arizona, in the White Mountains of Arizona. So that that probably is it. But we've been to a couple other places that are all good. So there's a whole list of favorites. But I'll, I'll go with Arizona. Arizona, cool. Uh, dark chocolate or milk? Oh, dark, dark. <laughs> Do you set an alarm clock or wake up naturally? Oh, naturally. I guessed right. I said I bet he wakes up naturally. Yeah, yeah. Too early, mostly. Nice. And this is the last one. If you were not the CEO of Granite Rock, what would your dream job be? Oh, I don't know. When I was when I was younger, uh, I, I wanted to be a carpenter. That was the that was what I wanted to do to the point where I was kind of pushing in that direction. And my dad actually talked me into going to college and law school. And there are days, there are days when I look back and, and say, <laughs> oh man, I wish I would have done that. Um, but no, I'm very glad to be doing this. But no, that was it. I, want, I wanted to be in the trades. That was my, uh, that was my original dream job. That is unbelievable. 
and awesome. That's really cool. Well, thanks for taking the time to uh, dive into some of these questions and offer a little insight on things going on at Granite Rock and how we're handling the pandemic and business. To all of our team members out there, you can use the link in my Rock Talk to submit questions to Tom to answer in another podcast. You can be anonymous or leave your name. There's no such thing as a dumb question. Thanks for everyone who listened today and be sure to share the podcast with your team and be safe.